Greetings from Latter-day Media, presenting our dear friend and epic historian on Joseph Smith and church history, Brother Kay Godfrey. We have a very special presentation today on Adam on Diamon and its history. Today's podcast will uh, be something a little bit different, a little special. We're going to kind of divert just a little bit from our following the footsteps of Joseph into Nauvoo, and we're going to regress back to Adam on Diamond. I'm going to take this opportunity to talk with you a little bit about Adam on Diamond's past and its prophetic future. On page 49 of our hymn book is a song written by William Wine Phelps. It reads, This earth was once a garden place, with all her glories common, and men did live a holy race, and worship Jesus face to face at Adam on Diamond. We read that Enoch walked with God, above the power of mammon, while Zion spread herself abroad, and saints and angels sing aloud in Adam on Diamond. Her land was good and greatly blessed, beyond all Israel's Canaan. Her fame was known from east to west. Her peace was great and pure the rest of Adam on Diamond. Hosanna to such days to come, the Savior's second coming, when all the earth in glorious bloom affords the saints a holy home like Adam on Diamond. Okay, let's talk a little bit about Adam on Diamond and uh, understand how important this place has been and yet will be. In the spring of 1838, Joseph was driven from Kirtland by the mob. On March the 14th, 1838, Joseph entered far west Missouri to the throngs of thousands of cheering saints, heralding him the return of the conquering hero. Upon his arrival in far west, Joseph's family boarded at the home of George and Lucinda Harris. Their stay lasted two months, while a one-story home was built for the prophet about a quarter of a mile from where the temple site in far west would be located. Later in the month, other friends would arrive and build homes also nearby. However, a few saints, like Lyman White, went into the nearby sparsely populated Davies County and settled under a gentleman's agreement with the local Gentile inhabitants. In May of 1838, it became apparent that additional land would be needed for settlements for the saints. On May the 18th, Joseph, Sidney Rigdon, and George W. Robinson left Far West, traveling north 18 miles to the home of Lyman White near the Grand River in Davies County. Lyman had established a ferry called White's Ferry on the Grand River about a half a mile from his home. Lyman's cabin was at the base of a large hill, on which was discovered the ruins of an old Nephite altar. Joseph named the hill Tower Hill because of the altar. Lyman would also build a second home, halfway up Tower Hill, near the discovered altar site. This picture taken by George Anderson in 1907 shows Lyman White's two homes the one in the valley below, and the one about halfway up Tower Hill. Lyman White's two cabin sites today are shown in these pictures. Lyman White's first cabin at the foot of Tower Hill, and his second cabin halfway up. Again, today you're only going to see perhaps a few foundation stones is all of where Lyman White's cabins were. On Tower Hill, the remains of a Nephite altar was found. It was 16 feet long, 9 to 10 feet wide, laid out with the length running north and south. 
The height of the altar at the end was about two feet and gradually crowned in the center about four to five feet. Joseph said this altar was the altar of prayer. This is where the patriarchs associated with Adam assembled and offered their evening and morning prayers at this altar. It would later be used by the Nephites, the prophet said. Now again, this is a 1907 picture, uh, George Anderson. On the far left, you see the stones, the remnants of the old Nephite altar, we'll call it. And on the other side, you see the top or the roof of Lyman White's second home built halfway up Tower Hill. Really fascinating pictures. We're really in debt to George Anderson for his mission in taking black and white photography pictures of all these sacred sites. Today, that Nephite altar is found with only a square of cement in the ground, and you kind of need to know where to look to find this. Um, over time, this will be this will be lost, and uh, just kind of need to know it was at the top of Tower Hill, overlooking the valley below. A very very beautiful sight. It was at the White Settlement that Joseph was directed to lay out a city north and west of Tower Hill for the saints. The town was to be two square miles across, with the town square at the top of an adjacent hill called Spring Hill. Spring Hill. The city would accommodate about 600 inhabitants. The city was renamed by Revelation to be called Adam on Diamond, or as we call it, Diamond for short. In Doctrine and Covenants section 116, received on May 19, 1838, it reads, Spring Hill is named by the Lord Adam on Diamond, because, said he, it is the place where Adam shall come, emphasize that, shall come to visit his people, or the Ancient of the Days shall sit, as spoken of by Daniel the prophet. On June 28, 1838, a stake of Zion was organized at Diamond. John Smith, Joseph Uncle, was set apart as the Diamond Stake President by Joseph. Joseph then stood on Preacher Rock and counseled the saints. That stone is there today, and it uh, overlooks a little um, gully or valley below it where the saints would have gathered to listen and hear the prophets speak. The settlement eventually grew to 200 makeshift homes with an additional 40 families living out of wagons. These were perhaps uh, uh, the only. The settlement eventually grew to 200 makeshift homes with an additional 40 families living out of wagons. There were perhaps 1,500 people at Diamond and the surrounding area at its height in 1838. The only permanent brick structure built at Adam on Diamond was the red brick bishop storehouse, built just south of a proposed temple site. Today, if one looks carefully, the past can still show itself. You see here we have a slide of the Barlow Foundation, a home that was there in 1918. You need to remember that this particular area was occupied and reoccupied numerous times after the saints were driven out in 1839. And then the old Mormon well is still to be found. Well, I want to talk now about Adam on Diamond's revelatory history. This is, this is the stuff that makes Adam on Diamond so unique. Again, I want to reference Doctrine and Covenants 116, which says, Spring Hill is named by the Lord Adam on Diamond, because, said he, it is the place where Adam shall come to visit his people, 
or the Ancient of Days shall sit as spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Well, on the bluff area of Spring Hill at its highest point is found the temple site. It comprised a lot of four acres. From the life of Heber C. Kimball, we read, quote, While there at Adam on Diamond we laid out a city on a high elevated piece of land, and set the stakes for the four corners of the temple block, which was dedicated, Brother Brigham Young being the mouth. There were from three to five hundred men present on the occasion under arms. This elevated spot was probably from 250 to 500 feet above the level of the Grand River, so that one could look east-west, north or south, as far as the eye could reach. It was one of the most beautiful places I ever beheld. Well, the most significant altar at Adam on Diamond is the altar upon which Adam himself offered sacrifice. It was found on Spring Hill, just south of the temple site. This altar is three altars in one, and was found by Joseph Smith in a crumbling state. It was as, as it was uncovered by the brethren, it was found to be built of well-dressed stone masonry, with one altar built upon the other in a pyramid fashion, much like the pulpits in the Kirtland Temple representing the three grades of the priesthood, or the three degrees of glory. Heber C. Kimball said, and I quote, the prophet called upon Brigham Young, myself, and others, saying, Brethren, come go along with me, and I will show you something. He led us a short distance to a place where the ruins of three altars built of stone, one above the other, and one standing, standing a little back of the other, likened to the pulpits in the Kirtland Temple, representing the order of the three grades of the priesthood. There, said Joseph, is the place where Adam offered up sacrifice after he was cast out of the garden. The altar stood upon the highest point of the bluff. So what does Adam on Diamond mean? Some says it means the Valley of the Gods. Others say Adam's consecrated land or Adam's grave. However, the true meaning can be found in a revelation given Joseph Smith in the form of a series of questions and answers. Now, in a discourse given by Elder Orson Pratt in Salt Lake City on February 18, 1855, Orson mentions one of these questions and answers. Question, what is the name of God in the pure language? And the answer, Amon. Elder Alvinard Dyer said that the word Adam refers directly to Adam himself. The word Andai means nearby or connected with. Therefore, using a literal translation of both Elder Pratt and Dyer, we have the following. Adam on Diamond means from Adam to mankind through the Lord. Prophetic utterances relative to Adam on Diamond were given by the Lord as early as 1832 and 1835. In Doctrine and Covenant 78, it says that you may come up unto the crown prepared for you and be made rulers over many kingdoms, saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Zion, who hath established the foundations of Adam on Diamond, who hath appointed Michael, your prince, and established his feet, and set him upon high, and given unto him the keys of salvation, under the counsel and direction of the Holy One, who is without beginning of days or end of life. Now that was given in March of 1832. And then again, in Doctrine and Covenants section 84, three years previous to the death of Adam, he called Seth, Enoth, Canaan, Mahalaleel, Jared, Enoch, and Methuselah, who were all high priests, I'll emphasize high priest, with the residue of his posterity 
who were righteous, I'll emphasize who were righteous, into the valley of Adam on Diamond, and there bestowed upon them in his last blessing. And the Lord appeared unto them. And I'll emphasize that again. And the Lord appeared unto them, and they rose up and blessed Adam, and called him Michael, the prince, the archangel. And the Lord administered comfort unto Adam, and said unto him, I have set thee to be at the head. A multitude of nations shall come of thee, and thou art a prince over them forever. And Adam stood up in the midst of the congregation, and notwithstanding he was bowed down with age, being full of the Holy Ghost, predicted whatsoever should befall his posterity unto the latest generation. These things were all written in the book of Enoch and are to be testified in due time. Now let's put this in modern language, what happened that I've just talked to you about in section 84. According to Joseph Smith, this last blessing was given because Adam wanted to bring his descendants into the presence of God. President Ezra Taft Benson said, Adam accomplished this by having his descendants enter into the priesthood order of God. Now this does not mean they received the priesthood. Many were already high priests. It means they received the fullness of the priesthood or were sealed up into eternal life and had their calling and elections made sure. President Joseph Fielding Smith said, Only in the temple of the Lord can the fullness of the priesthood be received. President Benson further said, In today's language, Adam and his descendants went to the house of the Lord and received their blessings. Having received the fullness of the priesthood, those in attendance were eligible to receive the second comforter, which according to Joseph Smith is a personal appearance from the Savior, Jesus Christ. And that is what happened in verse 54 when it said, And the Lord appeared unto them, and they rose up and blessed Adam. The Valley of Diamond was to be a place for the welding together of all keys, powers, and dispensations. In Doctrine and Covenants 84, it says, Adam was given the keys of salvation for mankind. He obtained the first presidency before the world was created. He had dominion over every living thing. Noah, or Gabriel, stands next to Adam in priesthood authority. Noah was the father of all living during his day. Also in DNC 128, we read, These dispensations, as well as all keys and powers, must be welded together. From Michael or Adam down to the present time, all declaring their dispensations, their rights, their keys, their honors, their majesty and glory, and the power of their priesthood. In Doctrine and Covenants section 116, we're told where this welding together of all dispensations will take place. Revelation given to Joseph Smith the prophet near White's Ferry at a place called Spring Hill, Davies County, Missouri, on May 19, 1838. Spring Hill is named by the Lord Adam on Diamond because, said he, it is the place where Adam shall come to visit the people, or the Ancient of Days shall sit, as spoken of by Daniel the prophet. At Adam on Diamond is to be held a grand and glorious priesthood meeting. The agenda for that meeting is as follows. Joseph Fielding Smith, all stewardships shall be rendered up to Adam. From the Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 3, Adam will listen to all reports and direct judgment. He will then deliver up his stewardship to Christ, who holds the keys to the universe.
and from Joseph Fielding Smith, Christ will assume, assume the reins of the government and direct the priesthood. This grand council will be made up of 144,000 or many righteous high priests, as well as prophets and apostles of old. The world will not be aware of this gathering, nor will most of the church. After the initial council held at Adam on Diamond, a city called Zion was built by Enoch. Enoch was in, it, was in attendance at Adam's conference. Perhaps it was there that he received the instructions for constructing such a city. Well, after the second council at Adam on Diamond concludes, a second Zion will be built, this time in Jackson County, Missouri. Perhaps instruction for building this city will be given at that conference. The appearance of the Savior at Adam on Diamond will mark the beginning of the events surrounding the second coming of the Lord. Alvin R. Dyer says that Adam on Diamond is the first place the Savior will appear of four major appearances. Adam on Diamond, the New Jerusalem, Jerusalem of old, and then to the world. Let's take a second and talk just a little bit about land acquisitions. On December 23, 1966, the church purchased two pieces of property totaling 140 acres from the Henry and Joyce Dustman. This included the small valley, Spring Hill, and the temple site. By 1971, an additional 318 acres was purchased, consisting of the larger valleys and some adjacent property. Today, the church has purchased more than 10,000 acres in and around Diamond. Now, we're going to conclude our discussion with a little folklore, or myth, or reality, however you want to phrase it. The fate of the Adam's altar stones. What happened to these really sacred stones? Well, the Henry and Joyce Dustman farm, from which the church purchased much of Adam on Diamond, was owned in 1922 by a man named Roy Dickerson. Mr. Dickerson was looking for a hired hand to help him farm his land. One day a fellow named Joe Miller came to Jameson, Jameson's a little town near Diamond, looking for work, and he was hired by Roy. Well, Joe Miller promised to work hard, and he did so. He was boarded by Roy Dickerson and paid 50 cents a day for five years. In 1928, Joe asked Roy if he could rent a small Mormon cabin on Roy's property near Tower Hill. Roy consented, and Joe lived there for one year, still working for Roy. In 1929, Joe took his leave. He borrowed Roy's wagon and, with the assistance of four or five neighbors, loaded up his belongings to leave the area. As recalled by the neighbors who assisted him, his possessions included one box five feet long that was very, very heavy and required four men to load it, and then four other boxes. The wagon was driven to the railroad loading dock and loaded onto a boxcar by two other men who were unfamiliar to the locals, and yet these men knew Joe Miller and assisted him in loading his boxes. The boxcar was locked with a seal. In paying for transportation of goods, Joe Miller said that he came from Salt Lake City. Roy Dickerson, however, said that during the entire time Joe worked for him, he never mentioned Salt Lake City, but told him several times that he was from Illinois. Well, during the last year of employment with Roy, that would be 1929, Joe Miller was seen on numerous occasions by neighbors rambling about on the hillside in the moonlight long after midnight. He was apparently hunting for something. He apparently found what he was looking for, and he shipped it away. 
Joe Miller was approximately 50 years old at the time. Now, this story was rehearsed to Alvin R. Dyer, counselor to President David O. McKay, and church historian on numerous occasions by Clay Barlow, a resident of Jameson, who actually witnessed Joe Miller's employment with Roy Dickerson. Brother Dyer believes this statement gives the strongest evidence of truth of what became of Adam's altar stones. Clay Barlow at the time of this recording was 85 years old in April of 1968. Adam, being driven from the Garden of Eden, traveled northeasterly for 76 miles to the beautiful bluff that the Lord would call Adam on Diamond. From here the cradle of civilization was born. The Valley of Diamond sleeps today, waiting to be awakened tomorrow to fulfill its prophetic destiny. I want to thank you for joining me today as we've had an opportunity to talk a little more extensively about Adam on Diamond, its past, its future. It's an incredibly unique place in church history. Now the next time we meet, we're going to start in on a series uh, following the footsteps of Joseph as he enters Nauvoo. We're going to call this series The Passport to Heaven. Until then, Enjoy your continued studying of the Doctrine and Covenants, and we'll see you next time. This Come Follow Me video series is a bonus resource to enhance your appreciation of the Prophet Joseph Smith with little-known facts and research about American and church history. Thank you for listening today and for sharing this ComeFollowMe2021.com website. We sure appreciate those who have been contributing on our Patreon page under Latter-day Media. We'll have a link in the show notes, and we would love to invite more to help support this work. To contact Kay, email him at footstepsofjoseph at gmail.com.